Welcome to God's Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be talking about synergism in the Bible. Now, synergism is God working with man to do things. As opposed to monergism, monergism is God working unilaterally. And the monergism, that word was made up by Calvinists because they wanted a word that said only God does something. Uh, just only God. The problem is it's not a word. Synergism is a word. Synergism is a word found in the Bible. And today we're going to be talking about synergism in the Bible and the data we have, despite the Calvinist cries. If you ever say anything like, yeah, man decided to uh, choose God in any sense, they'll, they'll, they'll lose their mind and say, oh, you're making salvation dependent on man. Well, yeah, I'm reading the Bible, so you could take or leave the Bible. I do not care. If you're a Christian or not, there's there's other religions out there. Uh, but I turned to the Bible. Hey, it was funny last night. I was talking to this Calvinist about Acts 13, 48. And he's like, see, God's ordaining all these people to eternal life. I said, who's doing the ordaining? W where's the subject? Who Who's the subject of that verse? And he's like, God. I'm like, where's that in there? The, the only noun I see are the people. The people are ordaining themselves to eternal life. And he, he went he went ballistic. Oh, you're making everything man-centered. It is so funny. I like you don't have to like the Bible. Uh, you look up two verses, um, Acts 13, uh, 46, and it says the people determine themselves unworthy of eternal life. The people are acting on themselves in the context. It's not God. God's God's not a subject in the context of those verses. And so people ordain themselves to eternal life. Take it or leave it. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to like the Bible. Uh, fine, go do your own thing. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible has synergy, people doing things with God, working in conjunction with God. It's not this monergistic, oh, everyone is uh, Gnostically enlightened to be a Christian or something like that. That's not in the Bible. So let's turn to Romans 8.28. This is one of the Calvinist strong proof texts that they really love to go to. Oh, God controls all things. See, look at my verse. And we might start to notice a pattern here. The Calvinist proof texts say the exact opposite of what those Calvinists are trying to use those proof texts to say. Just like Acts 13.48. Let's pull that up real quick, Acts 13.48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. He said, see, God's appointing them to eternal life. I said, no, no. Who's doing the appointing in there? Well, where's God? Does God appear in this? He says, yes. He says they glorified the Lord of the Lord. I'm like, first of all, it's it's the word of the Lord. That That's a, a prepositional phrase of the Lord. It's, it's not a subject. It's not an actor. The only actor we actually see in this verse is the Gentiles. They heard, they're glad, they glorified. And then there's some sort of appointing done. Guess what? The Gentiles are appointing themselves to eternal life. Two verses earlier, it says that the people, a different group of people, judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life. This is a parallel concept. There's one group which deems themselves unworthy and one group that deems themselves worthy. And he said, oh no, what do you think? ordained me. And I said, well, we have ordinal directions, right? North, south, west, and east. And I could ordinate myself somewhere. 
that means I turn and disposition myself. I take up something. So then I also looked up the word to show them that it can be used reflexively elsewhere. The theological things that he was trying to impose on this word, the theological baggage, just is not justified. So we turn to 1 Corinthians 16, 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now this is this is the the same use of the word, and it's translated as devo- devoted themselves rather than ordained. Oh, I wonder why the translators translated the same word differently in these different contexts. So maybe, maybe the translators have a little bit of, I don't know, bias. Maybe, perhaps that's what's going on. So it can be used uh, reflexively, and it just means to ordinate yourself, to, to uh, devote yourself, to, to position yourself. That, that, that's what the word means. And they're doing it on themselves. And the Calvinists, they don't like, they don't like it. They don't, they, they, they have these verses and the verses say the exact opposite of what they claim they mean. Or remember there's that Calvinist that was on a site. He said, this is the one verse that converted me to Calvinism. And that was at Acts 13, 48. And then I posted that big explanation about how in the Greek, it's it's a passive middle and the people are doing the ordaining. And then everyone was coming and commenting on my comments saying, yeah, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. And then he deleted my comment. <laughs> he deleted my comment. I think he's a Calvinist for social reasons. I think he's a Calvinist because uh, he, he's an intellectual fraud. That's what, that's what I think. But going to Romans 8.28, this is a big Calvinist proof text as well. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And so they say, see, God works all things. That, that what's what God does. So there's a guy named Timothy Gerdert. I got his book right here. I actually contacted him about his book and he sent me a copy for free. He's a good guy. And uh, he explains, you take a look at this, that uh, the Greek translation here is probably incorrect. There, there's different things that can happen with the verb, just like in our Acts 13, 48 passage, it's passive or passive middle or middle. So either the people are just being acted on by outside sources or they're acting on themselves. The context is really what determines it. Same thing here. So his first understanding that he details in his book, uh, his mind change on how this verse is to be read was that God is an active agent rather than all things just magically coming together based on some of the wording. His second time he changed his mind, we'll read this. Now, the second time I changed my understanding of this verse, even the translation that is given in the NIV needs to be reconsidered. The biggest problem with the NIV version is it still misunderstands what the verb synergy, work together, really means. It's synergism. It's synergism. Even if God is the subject, the NIV translation treats synergy as though it means God is working things together, forming a pattern, or mixing ingredients together so that something new emerges. Synergy in Greek is not about one party working various ingredients together. It is more than one party working on a common project. It means it's quite literally work together. If Romans 8.28 says that God works together, then the obvious question to be asked is, with whom? Who is God working together? If we read the text differently, the answer is clearly supplied in Romans 8.28. Unless synergy is being used here in a way completely unprecedented in the New Testament, Romans 8.28 is not about God fitting all things together in a pattern for our benefit. It is rather about God and those who love God working as partners, working together to bring about the good in all situations. 
i.e. those who love God and are called according to God's purposes, may at times also be beneficiaries of God and others working together. This verse is probably not primarily about the benefits we receive from God's action on our behalf. It is rather a clear indication that those who are foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified, see the context of Romans 8.28, are being transformed, not only in order to receive God's grace, but also in order to become channels of God's grace to others. We were called by God, we love God, and thus we join God's work in the world. God is working to bring about good, and we are God's fellow workers. God's good purposes will often come about in terrible situations, not because someone sat back and trusted God's promise, but because someone joined God's work in the world, became God's hands and feet, became a tangible expression of God's love and God's caring. So this verse is about us working together with God. Remember in Calvinism, God predestines all things. Uh, for for his uh, good purposes, he he he's trying to build a creation that best reflects his glory. God does everything, but not in this. God in the Bible, God is a give and take partner in mutually beneficial relationships, which God gains from the world. The world gains from God. They work together for common purposes. God works with others. This is synergy. It's in the Bible. And it's it's clearly in the Bible. It's clearly in the Bible, unlike Calvinism, where they make up words that are not in the Bible to explain their theology, as opposed to what's actually described. And then they go and they find their little proof texts that say the exact opposite of their beliefs. So that's pretty funny. God works with people. This is not hard. You just read the Bible. Uh, there's there's countless verses. You turn to any random passage about God in the New Testament. It's about God and God's relationship with man, give and take relationship. God gains from man and man gains from God. There's, there's mutual exchanges in a relationship that we see displayed everywhere. And you have to be a Calvinist and mentally filter out all those countless times in which God is working with man and through man or being thwarted by man. The lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves. You have to be a Calvinist to just dismiss all those in favor of your own Proof text theology. Proof text meaning that they grab this one little passage out of somewhere and that they use as a ruling metric to just override every other part of the Bible. Doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. You don't you don't just get to dismiss the Bible. And then you also don't get to dismiss reading comprehension when someone just points out to you your verse says the exact opposite of of what you claim it says. Ah, so funny. It's so funny. Dealing with this guy last night. Oh, I it, he probably didn't like the levity that uh, his his stubbornness on Acts thirteen forty eight was giving me. How I was just pointing out who's the who's the actor? Who in this verse is acting? Where 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 is it? Where's the noun? Point to it. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. I said, I'm the one that's reading the text. Go read two verses up. It's about the same thing. And that is definitely reflexive. Oh, he didn't like it at all. Ah, oh, it was glorious. Ah, oh, it's it's glorious sometimes to interact with these people who are so set in their ways that normal reading comprehension eludes them. Oh, that was his proof text, by the way, that God eternally picked people from time eternity. This verse that we, we find is actually about people ordaining themselves within their own lifetimes, in the moment. That, that That's what happened. In the moment, they were ordaining themselves, and he took it as God's ordaining these people from a timeless eternity, a certain number, a certain number, a certain exact number. That's what he got from that verse. 
That's what he read into the verse. Oh, it's glorious. Anyways, questions and comments, put that down below. Thank you for listening.